Praise the Lord. Good morning. I uh, preached a message last week about uh, how bad of an idea it is to have snakes as a pet. And I don't know if you noticed, but I think it was Monday or Tuesday, the big story that came out. I was about a week late on my message. I had a perfect analogy. There was a home in northern Indiana, and I believe it was owned by a deputy jailer. And I guess he was a snake breeder. And I don't know if it was his girlfriend or wife or somebody went by the house. And I think they had, how many snakes were in that house? 140 snakes were in that house. It was abandoned. And it was just for breeding snakes, I guess. And one of the snakes on my list that had a terrible disposition and doesn't change is a reticulated python. And um, and unfortunately... You know, that python got around her and and um, killed her. And, uh, boy, it's a perfect picture of uh, what Satan will do in your life. And uh, so if you get a chance, that message ought to be posted this week, I think. And uh, listen to that message. Hallelujah. If you would turn in First Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. It says, as I urged you, he's talking to Timothy here, this is Paul. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia to stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people to not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things only promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about, or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully or properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for sexually immoral, for those who practice homosexuality, for slave traders, for liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God which he has entrusted to me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, I pray that you would bring life to this word, Lord, that you would help us, that you would grow us, that you would keep us spiritually healthy, Lord. And I pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah. I really debated what to uh, title this. Um, my initial title, which is probably what I'll stick with, is called Spiritual Hygiene. Spiritual Hygiene, that sounds like an exciting message. <laughs> is it exciting? Uh, but I want to make sure that we get the uh, purpose of the message, and that is to live spiritually clean. Okay, hygiene is just simply a word that means that I'm going to keep myself clean to avoid, number one, running people off because of um, my lack of hygiene. Amen. But also to avoid some of the dangers of bad hygiene. Um, the byproduct is people won't like the smells. Boy, a great topic to talk about. But when the Lord leads me, the Lord leads me. But the other thing is, if a person doesn't have good physical hygiene, it's going to lead to diseases. It's going to lead to sicknesses. It's going to lead to a lot of problems in life that otherwise you don't need to have, and it can even lead to death. And so this is a very interesting scripture here because Paul uses the word 
He says, um, he lists a list of uh, particular sins in an order that when you see why Paul listed that order, you'll understand in a few moments why he listed it that way. And he said, all of these negative sins, they are, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, when you look that word sound up and you look up the Greek word, um, it's the word hugios or, I can't remember the other forms of it, but it's the exact word that we get our word hygiene from. So that Greek word is the root word of our word hygiene. So when Paul says that all of the things in the law, everything in the law is contrary to sound doctrine. Everything that um, the law says is bad, that God says is a negative thing for your life, Paul is trying to stress here that not only is it bad things to avoid, but it's bad hygiene. He's saying you need to be spoken and you need to have good hygiene. And the things in the law are telling you what is bad hygiene. That's the simplest way I have to explain it, that if you want to stay spiritually clean as a Christian and serve the Lord um, in a clean way and have a good conscience, you need to understand the law, and the law has that purpose to show you what is bad hygiene. Amen. I told you this message was going to get exciting. But how many know that um, there are situations... um, where we will find, um, they'll rescue children out of environments where they haven't been taken care of. They've been neglected. They've been in situations where maybe it's a baby and their diapers haven't been changed and they're, uh, they're not being taken care of. They haven't had a bath for a long period of time. They haven't um, been groomed in any way whatsoever. Their hygiene has been severely neglected, or sometimes you find kids that are, um, I mean, literally, sometimes they'll find them in the middle of woods or something, or environments where they've never known how to have personal hygiene. And so they'll have to take that child, and one of the first things they'll have to do is not only clean them up, give them a bath, but then they have to teach them, this is good hygiene. And did you know that brushing your teeth is not just so you have a beautiful white smile and not just so you don't have bad breath? I mean, know that. If you don't do it for a period of time, your gums are going to begin to swell, you're going to begin to have gum disease, and you're going to begin to have some serious problems. So what we begin to do as human beings is we begin to have patterns of hygiene. We brush our teeth when we get up in the morning. We brush our teeth before we go to bed. And it's also nice if we do it during the day. And oh, by the way, it's nice to floss. All right? So showers and baths, you say, well, man, we know all this stuff. It helps to explain it. Showers and baths, if we go a day without a shower or a bath or two days or three days or four days, we begin to notice that we're our health is declining. And some of us, we have patterns of hygiene. We regularly take a bath or a shower similar times of the day, and we've just made a pattern out of good hygiene, correct? And so all these different areas, to be a healthy person, you have to have healthy habits. You have to have healthy disciplines. You have to have a healthy environment. Amen? And so Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy is a young pastor, and Paul's going through Macedonia, and he's sending Timothy to Ephesus, and about the same time he's sending Titus to the island of Crete, and he's telling both of them, in fact he uses the word sound, or healthy teaching, healthy wholeness is what he's saying. Healthy whole teachings, meaning healthy practices, healthy teaching, healthy environments, and we're going to have healthy churches. And so he's going in there and he's telling them nine times he uses that word about the soundness of their doctrine, 
the soundness of their lifestyle, the soundness of their speech. And he's going in and he's trying to um, explain to them that the um, this is healthy stuff. This is stuff that every Christian should be doing um, to stay healthy, to stay spiritually clean in a world that is filthy. How many know that? How many have ever went a, maybe longer than you've expected uh, and taken that shower? And man, you start to feel it and you're like, man, you know what? I'm rotten right now. You don't want to be around me. I don't feel good. I don't smell good. I don't. And then you take that shower and man, everything is a whole lot better now. I feel clean. But guess what? You're going to go out of the home. You're going to get soiled again. You're going to, women, you're going to perspire. Not the men. We don't perspire, we sweat. All right, And we sweat profusely. But you're going to go back out, and, and because of the nature of the world, you just, and, and this is spiritual, you don't stay clean. And this world that God created, He uses examples in the Bible from the physical to let us understand the spiritual. You're not going to stay clean when you take that shower. You're going to eventually begin to smell again. You're going to eventually get dirty again. You're going to eventually run into environments that are going to make you dirty. You're going to say, oh man, i got to take a shower because I was out working in the garden. That's an environment that makes you dirty. All right? Now when you get out into the world... Spiritually, he's trying to tell us through that word, sound, which means hygiene. He's saying, Titus, Timothy, I want you guys to present to the people hygienic doctrine. Healthy doctrine. Doctrine that is going to make them able, not only, now get this. Not only does God want you to come to church once a week and take a shower because I'm telling you how to be clean. God would very much like you to take a shower every day, spiritually. And so if you wait for me once a week to help you get a shower, then your practices of hygiene aren't spiritually great. So what God wants us to do is, God wants us to learn, um, He wants us to learn spiritual hygiene. He wants us to have hygienic teaching in our heart where we understand the Word of God really well. And you say, well, doesn't everybody? And church, I'm just telling you right now, we have a culture that is not spiritually hygienic. We have a culture that is very physically hygienic. I mean, I can remember the 70s and the 80s where it was not an uncommon thing to roll your window down and your entire McDonald's bag go out the window. How many remember those days? You can look up and down the roads and you can see trash everywhere. And some of you that have gotten out of this country have seen places where it is filthy, hygienically Filthy because the practices are are accepted. They're not hard on littering, so the whole environment is not hygienic. But let me tell you something. Spiritually, in the United States of America, we're not spiritually hygienic. We don't have good practices of pure doctrine and teaching of the Word that is good solid word. And here's what's happening in Ephesus. It's a very cultured society, a very wonderful society, but they were spiritually not very hygienic. And Timothy was being sent in there to make sure that they become that, that they have good practices and good understanding of the word of God and good understanding on how to live their life. Because get this church, clean teaching equals clean believing, equals clean living. And if we don't have clean teaching, 
We don't have clean believing and we don't have clean living. And so what this is teaching us is we need to, uh, in America sometimes it's like just wholeheartedly believe in something. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's if you really strongly believe it, man, he's a believer. And sometimes we don't look and say, is it even right? And when we look at Ephesus here, Paul had left that area and all these pastors in the book of Acts, I think it's chapter 20, and uh, he said, I'm probably going to see you for the last time. And he pulls together all the shepherds and he gives them a warning. He says, I want you to watch very carefully um, this flock. I want you to carefully watch them, carefully protect them. But he warned them, he said, because when I leave, Wolves are going to come in to destroy you. It wasn't a maybe, it wasn't a possibly. Somehow Paul had discernment through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told Paul that this was going to happen in this area. And it wasn't many years later, I think four to six years later, he's writing this letter to Timothy. And he's trying to clear up, Paul is in prison so he wrote first, writes First Timothy uh, kind of loosely in prison with somebody to guard him. And then several years later, he writes Second Timothy, and it's a little harsher. He's in a dungeon, and he's about to die, and it's like his last letter before Paul dies. But here, he's writing a letter to Timothy, and he's trying to help Timothy clear up the problems that they're having at Ephesus. And so the first thing that we notice when we look at First Timothy, he says... I urged you to go, when I went to Macedonia, to go to Ephesus, so you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer, or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. So what he was running into, and you begin to study the background of this church, and you find out there were Jews. Now the Jews first rejected the gospel. Then some began to accept the gospel, and then they became Judaizers. Which Judaizers were those who came in and said, hey, let's implement the law in this Christian assembly, and let's make sure the people know that if they keep the law, they'll get to heaven. And then it started advancing even more, and in Ephesus, the problem they had was there were all sorts of writings uh, during the period of time from the second temple till the time of Christ. There were all kinds of writings that were supposed to be from writers that weren't the actual writers of the book. In fact, they started writing their names on here and saying, this is a book written by Abraham. This is a book written by Enoch. This is a book written by Daniel. And they started writing all these books with pseudo titles on them. And all these books had all these fantastic myths and legends from the Jews that were supposed to fill in the blanks from the Word of God. And these teachers were coming into this church and you say, well, what's the big deal? They're just myths and legends. They're really wonderful stories. They're great stories. They enhance so much what God's trying to do. But here's the problem that Paul had. They're taking away from the work of the gospel. He says it's causing, it's promoting controversial speculations. How many have ever been in a theological discussion for hours and hours and hours, and all it was was speculations of controversy? It, does, it doesn't do one thing to make me more spiritually hygienic or me more clean in the way I'm living my life. All it is is endless arguments and debates and controversies. And I'm telling you right now, you're wasting your time and you're against the will of God. It's going to destroy. In fact, a few verses later, it says Alexander and um, his friend... Uh, I can't remember his name offhand. 
Hymenius, I believe is his name. Alexander and Hymenius, they were shipwrecked because of what they were teaching. It caused them to go away from the faith and to be shipwrecked. And he says that you too, at the very end of this verse, he says, he's telling them to beware of these endless controversies. And how many have ever been to a Bible study and all it was was one story after another and one endless controversy and one endless debate and one endless, you know, uh, in fact, he says at the end of Timothy, he says, they call this knowledge. In fact, it was his intentional play on the fact that they were called the Gnostics. This is the early forerunner of the Gnostics. And he's saying, beware, be very, very careful of these Jewish myths and legends that they're trying to tell you because I have a very specific goal in mind. And if you keep doing this, you're going to miss out on God's work. And he says, God's work is the goal, verse 5, says they promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a severe, sincere faith, not severe. Do you know that Paul is telling this command? He's lovingly saying, stay away from these teachers. Stay away from them because my command, the purpose of my goal for this command is stay away from it. Because it takes you away from having a pure heart. It takes you away from having a good conscience with God. And it takes you away from having a sincere faith. Those are pretty good reasons to stay away from the the endless controversy. Do you understand that these people thought they had knowledge that nobody else had? They felt like their knowledge was so deep and so new and so revelatory that they were calling people unto themselves and they were destroying the faith of many people. It says, Some have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. How many of you know that your Christian walk, if you get in these circles, will be meaningless talk? In church, I've seen hours and hours and hours of meaningless talk of myths and legends. And here's the thing. You say, well, what's the big deal? We all know the Word of God. Church, I can't find very many people that know the Word of God really well. And I'm just being honest. You say, well, everybody knows it. We've got the Internet. We've got these dictionaries. We've got uh, commentaries online. I could ask a series of questions, and there's not very many people that would have the answers to those questions theologically. We don't know the Word of God that well. And what God's saying is, how, do, how, can we, how can we clean ourselves up daily? How can we live a clean life? How can we live a pure life? How can we have pure faith, pure love, if we keep getting influenced by everything that's around us? We've got to have some kind of ability to get in the presence of God, have a pure Word, and God to continually clean our thinking and our actions. We need something that's going to regularly clean my mind and clean my heart and allow me to have a pure walk with pure love and with pure faith. And I have to have that for myself. My pastor can't have that for me. He studies a lot. We're in good shape. I'm only giving you a bath once a week and you're getting a little too big for the baby bathtub. I mean, I've only got two bays in the sink here, and you're a little too big. So we've got to know the Word for ourselves. We've got to know it well. We've got to know it so well. We're not fooled by the world. We're not fooled by thoughts. We're not fooled by philosophies. We're not fooled by the wisdom and the knowledge of people that are on the Internet. Amen? Hallelujah. So what is hygienic teaching? 1 Timothy 2.10, Paul begins to explain what it is. 
At the end of 10, it says, For the sexually immoral, for those who are practicing homosexual, for homosexuality, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and whatsoever else is contrary to sound or hygienic doctrine, right? 2 Timothy 4.3, For a time will come when people will not put up with hygienic doctrine. They won't put up with doctrine that cleans you up. There's going to come a time where they won't put up with doctrine that cleans up your life. That's just part of the list I'm going to go through in a minute. Sexually immoral. That's adulterers and fornicators. And then included with that is homosexuality. How many think that there are teachers that don't teach hygienic teaching? Meaning... The purpose of that law, which I'm going to get into in a minute, is to show us we need cleaning. It's not to save us. You say, well, wait a minute. I thought if I was good, I would be saved. The law's purpose is to show me that I need cleaning. Jesus' death is to save me. Hallelujah. The law is there to show me that I need cleaning. In fact, some people, I wrote this down. Some people being a believer is telling me what you don't do. I don't cuss. I don't drink. I don't do all these things. Well, yeah. Being a believer is what do you do? It's not what you don't do. You say, well, good, so I can do what I want. See, this is the false teaching that's causing us to have dirty living. The Bible is there to show us that we have a dirty life, that we have a non-hygienic environment, that we're not living clean. Okay, it points out to us that there's about a million areas that Chad... Let me just say my name. It's easier if you look at me and see me as the sinner. All right? It's going to point out a million areas. You guys can send it that way too quick. Points out a million areas that I'm dirty and I'm bad and I am sinful. See, all I am every week is a redeemed sinner trying to lead either more redeemed sinners or lost sinners. Okay? The law is constantly pointing out areas that God wants me to be clean in. You say, well, what if I fail? I guess I'm not going to heaven. So you missed it. Jesus' death, trusting in his death is how I was saved. Right? But now the Holy Spirit wants to do a work. He wants me to live clean. What if I fail? Do I go to hell? You missed it again i got to say it again. Jesus' death is why I go to heaven. The purpose of his death is for me to live a clean life. Okay, I'm still going to fail, but I must submit myself to the word of God so he can help me live a clean, hygienic life. Everybody understand that? God wants us to have hygienic teaching, meaning every time I open the word of God, I'm saying, God, change me. God, transform me. God, show me something that helps me clean up that area of my life. How many of you have ever cleaned your house and you said, man, it is done? I've so perfectly cleaned my home that there literally is not one more thing to sanitize. It could not be more sanitary than it is at this moment. I've sanitized the garage. I've sanitized the kitchen. I've sanitized every utensil. I've sanitized the bathrooms. I've sanitized. I may have ever got to the point where you perfectly sanitized everything. Then why are we trying to do it with our life? Like God wants us to live a clean life. God wants us to daily be hygienic, just like we are in our homes. But I don't know that you can sanitize and perfect everything, and sit down and say it's done. But that doesn't mean I quit cleaning. 
That means that daily I'm still opening up the Word of God. And Paul said the law is good as long as you use it lawfully. He's using their word against them. So how was the law meant to be lawful? The lawful use of the law, well, the way they were using it was if you didn't do everything, you were condemned. Which the law did condemn, but then Jesus gave life. So by Jesus' death, I'm no longer condemned, and now God wants me to clean up my life. And they were teaching, like listen to the way he does this, he says, they want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know what they're talking about. I love Paul. They don't know what they're talking about. They're teaching the law and trying to get you to follow the law. How many have ever been to church growing up and they were teaching the law, but can I tell you, maybe they didn't know what they were talking about. Because the message they were preaching is like this message. If you're perfect by the law, then you can go to heaven. When Jesus was trying to say, the law is trying to show you where I'm trying to clean up your life. How many know there's a difference? And so he says, we know the law is good if it's used lawfully. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and the sinful, the unrighteous, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their mothers and fathers. What's he talking about here? He's actually going along with the Ten Commandments. When he starts talking about the, it's for lawbreakers and rebels, he's actually, you can compare these with each of the commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. So he says unholy and irreligious, ungodly and sinful. Um, some of your versions will say the profane. Let me say the profane. And it says, thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain. And so he calls them the profane. And he's saying that the law is to show us that we're not living right and that we're sinners. The law has a purpose when it is used lawfully to say, hey, look, you're a sinner. Those who kill their mothers and their fathers, and you say, well, thank goodness I'm not on this list. This is the extreme. This is the commandment, honor your mother and your father. And he's saying the law is for those who kill their mother and their father. Following the Ten Commandments. You say, well, man, I'm so glad I'm not on this list. But see, here's what happens. When the law is used lawfully, every one of these apply to me. When you have the right attitude and the right faith in God, when you have pure, devoted, loving faith in God, you read the Bible and you say, God, I know that I can't keep these commandments, but clean me up, Lord. Show me areas in my life where I'm not right. And you start looking at honoring your mother and your father. You say, well, wait a minute, God. They're not very nice to me. But see, Do you see what's happening here? The law is serving a purpose and it's not condemning or saving you. It's saying, hey, God wants to change you. God wants you to have hygiene in your life. In fact, you know the commandments are broken up into two sections. Love for God and love for men. Love for God and love for my neighbor. And so he's going through this list and, and he's just trying to show us is the doctrine, is the hygienic teaching that you're getting, is it making you more loving toward God and more loving to men? What do you mean, Chad? This law is going to be constantly saying, Love your mom and dad more. Only if they're nice, right? Love them more, respect them more, honor them more. Okay, the law's screaming out that we're deficient in that area. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind. Well, man, I'm, I'm cursing all day long. I am one of the profane people he's talking about. God's saying, I can change that. Now you know, you're a sinner. 
Now, I know I don't respect the things of God. In fact, it literally means to trample on holy things. That means like, I'll use Jesus Christ's name in cursing because I trample on holy things. Anything that has to do with God, I trample on it. When God says something, I trample on it. And what God's trying to say is, just admit. The law is there to help you admit that I've sinned in that area. You say, well, man, I want to be perfect in every area, and I want to completely fulfill the law, and that's what they were teaching. And he's saying, no, let the law change you and make you have a clean life. That means that I'm going to do my very best to honor my mother and my father. I'm going to give my best effort, but if I fail, I'm not condemned. I'm going to give my best effort to be sexually pure, In fact, he lists here adulterers, fornicators, homosexuality. He's saying that the law is worthy to call you a sinner. You say, wait a minute. What if I just ask forgiveness and I don't change? Then you didn't have a good profession of faith. It's very simple in the Bible. Everywhere Paul goes, he says, the person that has a good profession of faith will in their life begin to live a good life. I will apply myself to the law of God. And man, God, I just want to be better every day. I want to be cleaner every day. I want to, I want to change every day. And the Holy Spirit begins working through that person. In fact, I wrote some notes here. What does it mean to have sound doctrine? Number one, sound doctrine is doctrine that's already been established. How many know that? How many know that this Word of God that we have is able to take away every sin in our life? How many know that the Bible addresses literally everything that we're going to struggle with demonically, physically? And you say, man, Chad, I need a new revelation. I need something new. I need the latest book. Church, can I tell you the latest book is the oldest book. The book you need to be reading is the Word of God. And you say, well, don't we all know the Word of God? No, because the Bible says as you know the Word of God, it's going to clean you. It's like a bar of soap. Okay, you say, well, man, I don't want anything to do with the law because I like what I'm doing. Well, man, you don't, evidently you don't like soap. Because if you want to have spiritual hygiene, you better get the soap out every once in a while. You say, well, man, I can't figure out why my life's so dirty. I can't figure out why I'm not living a good Christian life. And the reason why is because you received the Lord, but you didn't receive His Word, so you didn't really receive the Lord. Amen? You say, do I have to be perfect? No, I already went over that. I'm not going over that again. The commandments aren't meant to be kept to be saved. Jesus saved me with his death with the expectation he's going to let me clean him up. He's going to let him clean me up. So basically, I give my heart to the Lord. I'm not condemned anymore. And he hands me a bar of soap. He said, let's start working on your hygiene. Let's start working on cleaning up your life. And you say, well, I don't want it. I don't want to be clean. It's like pulling somebody off the street who's been living um, on the street and has no hygiene whatsoever. You pull them into your house and you say, okay, I'm going to take care of you. Everything's going to be better. Here's soap. There's a shower. And he says, I refuse it. I want to live in my filth. And what God's saying is you didn't really truly receive the Lord if you're still holding on to the sins that I died for. Church, I hope I'm making this clear because... These are the extremes we're trying to avoid as a church. The extreme of legalism that says I must do this to be saved and the extreme of I can do anything I want because of grace. What God's trying to say is you're saved by grace through His sacrifice, but the expectation is I'm going to use a little bit of soap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. How many know that spiritually hygienic teaching is more than motivational preaching? Hmm. 
Man, we love some motivational preaching. Sometimes we reduce preaching to motivational preaching. But how many know that's not always hygienic teaching? Motivational preaching can be really good. But you know the difference between motivational preaching and spiritual hygiene? Spiritual hygiene is pointing out errors. You say, well, I'm doing perfectly good the way I'm living my Christian life. Because the way I live it, I can pretty well do whatever I want. And I would prefer a preacher that tells me I can do whatever I want. It says in the last days they won't endure hygienic teaching. It says in the last days they'll pull preachers to themselves that are motivational speakers, that tickle itching ears. But when you preach hygienically, you say, man, that's not right in your life. You have to say to people that that kind of life that you're living is not the Christian life that's taught in the Word of God. You've got to point out error. You've got to correct uh, doctrinal errors. You've got to correct false teachers. You've got to, you just can't let anything go. You've got to teach the Word of God. And you've got to take out all philosophy. And you've got to preach the Word of God. And you've got to say and do the things that are conducive to living the Christian life and not just anything goes. They say, well, Chad, i got my own style. Style's fine, but we've got to follow the Word of God. We've got to apply the Word of God, and just simply saying I'm ignorant of the Word of God doesn't keep us from having to keep the Word of God. Church, we've got to know the Word of God if we desire to live the Christian life we got to start digging into this Word. we got to start asking questions. we got to start going to places where they step on our toes a little bit. we got to go where the teaching is going to help us live a clean life. You say, well, man, why can't I just live a dirty life and still believe? Because God didn't die to leave you in a dirty squalor of a life. God died because He wants to use you. God died because He wants to clean up your life. God died so you don't have to go through the same circles over and over and over again. You say, well, man, I can't figure out why I'm getting this disease. I can't figure out why I'm, I'm having all these problems. And you see people that live in terrible hygiene situations. They're gonna have, how many know they're going to have the same recurring problems? There's no way around it. The same parasites, the same bacteria. The same problems. And what God's saying is, pour yourself into this word and know it. Church, we got to do a better job as a church. My desire is that we don't give weekly baths at this church. My desire is that every day we've got teachers teaching the word of God and people are asking questions and people are digging deeper and people can tell you everything about the word of God and good Pure, clean doctrine, clean living. We hold each other accountable. How many want that in your church? Are you saying, no, I just want, I want to show up on Sunday. Live any way I want. Don't want to change. God's saying that's not biblical. Many people have been shipwrecked by thinking that way. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bless our people, Lord. Lord, that you would keep your hand upon every person that's here that you put in this church, Lord. Lord, that we cautiously and carefully, Lord God, watch over this flock, Lord. Lord, if the church at Ephesus that had so many wonderful leaders, Lord, if they were susceptible to false teachings and philosophies, how much more are we, Lord? Lord, I pray that you would um, help us, Lord, shepherd this flock, Lord, that you would help us teach, help us instruct, help us lead, guide us, Lord God. 
Father, for the oldest to the youngest, Lord, that they might grow, Lord, in their love, a clean conscience, a sincere faith, Lord. I ask you today, Lord Jesus, in your name I pray. You just keep your eyes closed for a second. I just want to ask you. Just want to ask you today, Chad. I'm living a filthy life. I, I just there's things in my life that aren't right with God. I just feel like I need to clean those things up in my life. And God just says, if we'll confess those things, I mean, no, He's faithful and just. He'll cleanse us. Let me just ask you, how many in here have been spiritually dirty before? Because I might be the only one here. But the Bible says we all have sinned from short of the glory of God. We've all needed that cleansing of unrighteousness. If that's you today and you've never given your heart to the Lord, talk to me. I want to lead you to the Lord. Maybe that's you and you say, I've kind of turned away from the Lord and I really... You know, haven't been walking close to the Lord and I just need God to cleanse me today. I mean, no, God will do that. God will continually wash our minds and our hearts. He'll keep us clean and sanitary. He'll keep the world from influences. How many of you know that if we're not careful, the world will influence our ideas? Our ideals about everything, about relationships, about behavior, about how we treat other people. The world will soil us. God wants to keep us clean through His Word. Hallelujah. I'm just going to open up this altar. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Hallelujah. probably something that's fairly common. Do you know that all sin is common to man? And what the Word of God is, it's like a um, like a doctor who's a really good doctor. And the Holy Spirit will take that Word of God and a good doctor, how many know, uh, is really good at identifying areas where we're hurting. You wouldn't pay any money to a doctor that wouldn't uh, try to figure out what the source of the pain is. So the Word of God is like that. It's trying to figure out what sin is. You say, oh, well, good, God's trying to nail me now. No, he's like a doctor that's trying to discover what's wrong with you. That's why he gives you grace and he covers you and he says, hey, now let's try to figure out where the pain is at. And he's specific. This all was in my notes and my mind's just out of whack this morning. But he sees the problem and then he begins to um, be specific. You wouldn't pay a doctor that wasn't specific, right? Well, I think it might be this. I think it might be that. We'll take... Well, you'll take this because it covers a lot of things like that. You're like, please be specific. And so the Word of God is specific. Then the Word of God is very prescriptive. Meaning, here's how we heal that. And how many know the Word of God is also meant to be instructive? How many have ever had an ailment and the doctor told you what it was and you immediately went home and studied everything about that ailment? And so the Word of God will tell you this part of your life is really a problem. 
And then he'll be instructive. And the more you know about that subject, the better you are at sticking with his prescription. And so the word of God will instruct you on every area of your life, the Bible says, for living and for godliness. Every area about cleaning you up, and God will begin to inform you, He'll begin to instruct you on how we can heal that area of your life. How many are thankful for God? But if we use the law unlawfully, what do we get out of it? We get condemnation. So I'm always condemned because I messed up. Yeah, you messed up because you're a sinner. And Christ luckily died for sinners. And Christ takes sinners and instructs them on how to clean, how to be hygienic, how to live life. How many know that our thinking is so bent in the wrong direction that if we don't have those elements, we don't have a Bible that can diagnose us, a Bible that can help us, a Bible that can instruct us, a grace that can cover us, how will we ever get well, church? we got to use the law lawfully. How many understand the law? The law is there to help us. It's not to be fulfilled to be saved. It's there to show us where we're out of whack. And we're expected, we're expected to pursue righteousness. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much, Lord. Lord, you have a plan that does not fail, Lord. Pray that you touch your people, Lord. Oh, Father, draw us closer to you, Lord God. Speak into the hearts, Lord God. Keep your hand upon them and bless them, Lord. In your name I pray.